0: podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, welcome to Drinking with Authors. Okay, I'm your host, Erica Lance. With me today is... J.M. Paquette. And our guest today is author John Dover. Woo!
1: Hi, thank you very much. I want to get a live
0: studio audience when COVID is over so that I can have them just woo at parts. I want to gesture, and they woo. That's right. And we'll get hold the, up cards.
1: Get, yes. the, get the applause sign going.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then glare at them when they don't do it because it's only a recording. Um, okay, let's talk about what we're drinking because we do if people want to drink along. So mm-hmm. I have discovered that Perrier makes a Perrier strawberry. And I put gin in it. Oh, gin very! Perrier nice. strawberry. It's it's very like refreshing. Okay, Jen, just, we're going to get to you in a moment. So, shut I didn't your- say anything. <laughs> you don't have to. Even though people are listening to us, I can see your face. So what terribly boring beverage do you have? I'm drinking a Blackberry Bubbly because water is too boring. And, and and why are you drinking a bubbly instead of something fabulous?
2: Because I'm allergic to alcohol, and I can't drink it, so I oh, get well,
1: to drink
0: see. the boring stuff.
1: See, that just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I am so sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> She's also allergic to sunlight, by the way, yeah. so she is technically wow. a vampire by definition. I'm in the wrong state, clearly. You
1: are in the wrong state, yes. <laughs> you need to come I'm up to gonna- the Pacific Northwest. We have way more clouds.
0: Mm-hmm. She's, I need to she's move to forks. planning on moving up to uh, what is forks? Forks. <laughs> yeah.
2: Just wear sweatshirts all the time. I don't glow. I just break out in in hives and almost die. It's fine.
1: Oh yeah, no.
0: <laughs> okay, John, What are you? What are you drinking?
1: So I have one of my favorite uh, uh, blended scotches today. It's a uh, oak cross Ooh. from Compass Box. A really lovely. Uh, scotch that I discovered a few years ago, nice and buttery, a little bit of citrus to it, not too hot, just a really beautiful balance.
0: Wow, um, you have to, you know, it's interesting. You're a Scotch drinker, obviously. Mm-hmm. Talking to Scotch drinkers because that's like that's almost like cigar smoke. Like that's a whole thing, you know. You just you're if you're a Scotch drinker, you're a Scotch drinker. Otherwise, you're like f eh, gross. That's <laughs> so gross.
1: And which I always take umbrage to. I'm always fascinated by people that will, you know, sit there with a a Jack Daniels or Maker's Mark, but scoff at Scotch because without Scotch, there would be no American whiskey. You know, it's just a different type of whiskey is all.
0: That's true. But I I have that same look when I watch anybody drink a um, Bud or a Coors and I go. Oh, Like, how does that taste good to you? That can't possibly taste good. But
1: you know what? <laughs> I got to tell you, uh, on a, on like a ridiculously hot day after a bunch of physical labor, there is n- almost nothing better than a cheap, cold, bad beer. I, I mean, I'm gonna seriously. have to take
0: your word for it because I will at least like Blue Moon that or Shock Top something. Sure. I guess I can. Corona, Ed, even though that's not something you're supposed to talk about.
1: right now. <laughs> Yeah, no, that poor beer company—they had no chance.
0: Oh no, not at all. Okay, so why don't you tell our listening audience a little bit about what you write?
1: Yeah, I I actually write quite a lot of different things, but uh, one of my main focuses, uh, especially to talk about today, since we're since we're drinking, might as well talk about Johnny Scotch a bit. Uh, he is he he is one of my creations that I that kind of started my writing career, um, in that he, 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 he really kind of embodies everything I love about pulp culture, um, hard boiled detectives, uh, old, you know, old like eighties action movies, like everything that I basically grew up with. I tried to just condense into this. Uh, really fast paced, uh, you know, quick reads of, of novellas that I, I just find nothing but joy when I write them.
0: Oh, that was awesome. When did you start writing?
1: Uh, my first forays, cause, uh, on, honestly, I am, I've been a professional musician most of my life. So I, you know, writing hadn't been much except for just like recreational writing or, or promotional writing I had to do for music. Um, until about i think it was about six years ago when i was on the road uh with a with a little party band for a while and uh, i had just started getting into drinking scotch actually and i was at this really uh I, i was having a hard day at a festival i mean it was just not a good day you know things weren't clicking right whatever all that stuff and we were sequestered at this terrible hotel and there was no nothing good to drink to find at all you know it was it was you know bottom shelf everything and i i really wanted something nice and i was you know bitching and moaning to my bandmates all day and they finally just, they just for whatever reason that, that inspired them to, they just started calling me Johnny Scotch so then oh. Which really shouldn't have meant anything. It was, it was, you know, it's a fun little moniker. It was a great little stage name. We, we, we stuck with it when I was on stage. They would call me Johnny Scotch, but something just started itching at the back of my brain, and it was like, you know, what would someone that actually was called Johnny Scotch? What would that person be like? I because I am I am nothing like my my character. Uh, <laughs> With one exception, my character in the books is a musician as well. So that that is the one thing I I feel I share with him. But you know he's he's a very broken person, um, and and you know as this was like starting to develop in my head, I was like, one night I I just couldn't sleep, as the, as this character was you know rumbling around in the back of my head, and uh, I just I went out I I, I left the bedroom and I opened my computer and within an hour and a half i had just dropped out about 2000 words of 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 the first inkling of what johnny scotch could be
0: oh and, wow
1: and in all honesty i didn't even share anything of what i was writing even with my wife who is one of my you know best supporters and strongest critics you know i didn't share anything with her probably for a good 3 4 months of just like working and tightening and playing around with it and Finally, I was like, "Hey, I, I got this thing—a little project I'm playing with. Would you mind taking a look at it?" And, um, and and you know, she liked it and and uh, and said I should I should push forward and try and do something with it. So from there, it spawned my first short story. Um, I got ideas for how to kind of use my music as a as a launching pad for Johnny by by creating kind of a soundtrack around it and having these stories that like i could bring a story out on stage and have music going and all this and from there it it grew into i have two novellas i have a a a four-part comic book series of johnny and then now i'm actually getting ready to release my third johnny scotch novella uh at the end of august early september
0: very cool so I see, um, you know, obviously in your name here for us, and then behind you, you have trumpets. Is that what you play?
1: It is, yeah. I'm, I've been a trumpet player my whole life, pretty much.
0: How did that start? I played trumpet in elementary school band. Yeah. I'm not an expert by any stretch, and my mom was like, nope, nope, this has to stop. <laughs> <laughs> so do you walk around and just, like, buzz your, your lips
2: occasionally? Because my husband does that. He'll just walk in and be like... But like just while he's like washing dishes it just it, it's, is that a musician thing What what's going on
1: uh, uh, yeah it's kind of like a muscle memory thing we all have our little quirks I'll sit there um, I, like one of the things I used to do when I was younger I'd like walk through the, the halls at school just going you know <laughs> Working on my multiple training and different aspects of breathing while I was walking, which, of course, did nothing to help me with my popularity in high school. I was just the the weirdo making weird sounds. (laughs) But no, uh, the trumpet started, uh, it it was kind of a family thing. Uh, My dad played trumpet all through his young life and got a degree as a music educator on trumpet. Um, my, my mom was a, a vocalist, and kind of an opera singer when she was younger. And, um, when my sister was going through school, she's my older sister. She, she picked up trumpet. I wanted to be a little different. Uh, so I tried for one summer when I was still in grade school, I tried flute for a summer and, and yeah, talk about something that just did not flick with me. It, it just didn't work. Uh, so in the fall, when actual, when band class kicked in, when fifth grade, uh, I just I gave in and I said, fine, I'll play the trumpet. I have one at home already. Fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so much peer pressure in the band
1: universe. <laughs> so much peer pressure. And then when it came down to it, you know, I I started to actually enjoy it. I started to see some young successes uh, in, in junior high and high school. You know, it was something I could focus my attention on. It was something I could focus my creativity on, um, and it, it just kept going. You know, went to school at University of North Texas down in Denton, Texas, uh, in the early '90s, which is a big uh, jazz uh, jazz school. And then uh, I've just been performing as a professional since then. And ah, uh, uh, these days I'm a I'm a teacher, a private teacher. I do um, I'm a an artist and clinician for Bach trumpets. So I go out and do guest artist stuff for high schools, and and uh, uh, of course these days all my teaching is online. Uh, anything I do is online, but uh, it it which has been an interesting shift, but it's it's still the major part of my life.
0: So did, when you were younger, at any point, obviously you just you know you told a story when this came. Did you ever write before? Uh,
1: I I wrote. When I was asked to write, um, you know, it, it was it was anything from English class, uh, which which was always funny that I didn't do it on my own, because e- even back then in like eighth grade, ninth grade, you know, I'd write something and the teacher would submit it to the newspaper and get, you know, get something you know out there. Or, But I never really saw writing as much more than just an outlet. Um, until I got older, you know, any other writing I did was, you know, when I was still working for uh, actual working actual jobs, I would do a lot of writing, but it was always, you know, memos. It was letters. It was you know, conversational stuff or or web content. But very rarely would I actually write something that I felt anyone would want to actually read.
0: So when you started down this, and you're like, I actually have something are you self-published or
1: I am both. So Johnny Scotch and all of Johnny Scotch stuff has, has pretty much stayed under my own belt as as self-publishing. Okay. Uh, uh, From my comic books to my novellas and my short stories. Uh, When it comes to my other writing, which uh, is primarily horror based, I, uh, those are all published through other companies so gen- oh. mostly mostly uh, anthologies and then I have a publisher publishing my first full uh, horror novel next year so okay.
0: and what is the horror novel about? Uh,
1: my best synopsis that I'm allowed to give right now is it is a spaghetti Western vampire adventure. Yes so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, tapping into all the things I love and grew up with, which is, you know, the, the over-the-top, goofy action, and then mixing of genres.
0: So, when did you start writing your horror, then?
1: Uh, when did I start writing my horror? It was... Because
0: you have a lot of horror out.
1: I, I, ha- I have a, a decent amount. I mean, it could definitely be more. I'm not the most prolific person in the world, but I always tried to get one to two short stories out a year is what I was trying over the past few years. Um, I think it took uh, about two, maybe three years into my, my writing journey to, to decide to start branching out a bit and get some different ideas. But uh, since then, I I mean, I've I've been lucky. I mean, honestly, I've been very lucky with with the work that I've managed to get out. Um,
2: So, how did you get into the comic book side of things?
1: That was part of the uh, the grand scheme in my brain when I created Johnny Scotch and decided it was a thing I wanted to do. I wanted to have a build, basically, a multimedia platform that would be inclusive of my music, my writing, and then something to present to an audience on a visual format as well to kind of take them along the journey. Mm-hmm. So after writing a few, few things down for Johnny Scotch, starting a novella, I had a, a short story ready to go. I, I, I really got the, the bug that I wanted to have that visual medium done within a year or so. So I reached out to some people that I knew and said, hey, do you know any artists? Because I always have dug comic books. I've always dug graphic novels. Um, I think they're a really fascinatingly beautiful way to present stories in a different format. And I and again, I thought it would be really cool to be able to do these you know these shows where there was music and, and spoken word and then you know visuals flashed across a screen. So, y- utilizing the comic book format, I thought gave me a good storytelling platform. Uh, that's when I connected with Dan Schaefer, who is an artist here in Portland. He he's done comic books forever. I mean since the eighties, uh, he's done comic book work for you know DC, Marvel, Dark Horse, a lot of independents. Uh, His primary source of work these days is as a storyboard artist, which I thought really added a really cool kind of uh, momentum to the pages. You know, he knows how to draw action. I I reached out to him actually to see if he knew anybody that would be interested in doing this very, very modest low rent project. And he wrote me back quickly and said, I want to do this project. Because he liked he liked what I was doing, and he and it connected with with him as well. So that was when we started the Johnny Scotch stuff. Uh, I think probably about the first comic. I think, if I'm remembering right, came out five years ago.
2: Have you done audiobook stuff?
1: I have not. I've been such a chicken. Um, <laughs> I I want to do audiobooks. I'm I'm more just <laughs> trying. to. And I'm only a chicken because, honestly, I want, to, I want to narrate them. But that also means forcing myself to put the time forward to really go through the books again, really make sure they're clean and tight again, so that, you know, there's always things that get missed in the self-publishing, even with my editors who are, who are really strong and keep me, <laughs> keep me on task. Uh, and, and I just have not taken the time to put it on audio format yet. I'm going to stress yet.
2: Yeah. Have you no, listened to the good. new the new Sandman audio?
1: It's. I'm sure it's amazing because Neil is just ridiculous.
2: It's a great combo because there's acting and then there's the narrative voice in the background and you with your combination of like music and and visual like I don't know it just made me think of Sandman.
1: Yeah, the closest I've gotten is I did develop with an, a composer friend of mine uh, about. About five years ago, when the first novella came out, we developed a program, which is an hour-long, it's the hour-long live show I always kind of thought I wanted to do, which was, it's live music with spoken word vignettes, so little excerpts out of the book that the music goes along with, and it's an hour-long program that we we just call the Johnny Scotch Vignettes. And uh, each song is very characteristic of the reading and it just, you know, is a, a really fun way to present the the whole world.
0: Have you had a chance to read your stuff live?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've done my stuff live uh, quite a few times with the vignettes. Uh, the, my goal has always been that whenever I release a new Johnny Scotch book, I do a vignette show or or try to do a couple things. Um, I've even done a few uh, when i go and do guest artist stuff i'll i'll sometimes sneak in a sneak in a johnny scotch song i have to be a little careful cuz those are usually you know high schools <laughs> and <laughs> and my stuff is it's it's not like you know grotesquely nasty or anything but it's it's not always family friendly ish so I, I always have to do a little bit of editing whenever i do that
0: no, that makes sense. Oh, so, okay. So you start writing, you were um, a musician.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, when you started publishing these, was there a point you went, hey, I'm, I'm a published author. Like, this is, this is happening.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, honestly, for me, I don't feel that really clicked over until at least my third pu- um, published short story. You know, until someone else was actively putting my stuff out, I was I, I just always felt it was it was a great outlet. It was a nice little accentuation. It was a great way to create you know swag and merchandise for my live music shows. Um, but uh, really, until that that third publication from someone else, not me, that's when I felt okay. I can honestly say I'm a published author. I have pride in my work and please recognize me as such.
0: (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about the horror genre. I I'm talking about it because I write, that's my genre I write in is horror suspense, right? Yeah. Uh, I write under a different name under other things, but this one, um, what made you decide to go that route?
1: Again, it came down to (laughs) the, the, the visuals that were in my brain that were sparked by the stories. Um, I, you know, I grew up with, you know, sneaking downstairs to watch Tales from the Crypt and, you know, uh, surreptitiously watching, watching different, you know, different horror movies when my parents were out of town. And it was, it was it was always something that just kind of worked in my brain. And when I when I'm when I'm writing my my prose, uh, I, I found that a lot of the stuff, even in Johnny Scotch, a lot of my stuff can be very um, visceral. So, you know, I, I just kind of allowed that side to drive the bus for a while while still inputting a little bit of my humor, um, and, and really trying to ground some of those stories with, with something a little more, you know, real so that when the horrific things happened, they would be, you know, really, really in your face and get you going.
0: Do your stories have happy endings? uh no (laughs) i'm high-fiving you from a distance because none uh, of my stories have a happy ending not a single one of them
1: Now, Uh, i i won't say none of them do but i'm i'm i for whatever reason i enjoy writing when when the the horrific thing wins (laughs) because we're in a world where sometimes the bad wins you you know it's Tying it it's, up in a happy bow is not always an option. So, if it's a, if it's a fun ending and it makes sense, I'm going to let it be kind of disastrous.
0: Yeah, no, I, I a thousand percent agree. Ironically, um, when I when I actually started writing, again, I'd written when I was um, younger, but due to a catastrophe with a computer frying the stories, which probably weren't really good, but at the time it was devastating <laughs> to me. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I was writing one of my first the first short story I actually uh, published and I was working with Jen believe it or not and I kept trying to wedge this thing into a happy ending it's it is not a pleasant story it is and, and. You know, I don't know why in my mind I was like, "Okay, I can't. And then I remember we were driving one time and talking about it because it was a short story and I was stuck. And like, it's the only time I feel like I've really experienced the equivalent of writer's block. Mm -hmm. Like, I, you know, I'd sit down and look at this and I couldn't get the story to move towards this happy ending. And I remember Jen saying to me, you know, maybe it doesn't end well. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was like, what? Like just like a remedy.
1: <laughs> Is that allowed? <laughs> is
0: that is that a thing? Can I actually end this badly? It was really <laughs> funny because I was like, what? Yeah. And I went. Just muted myself. I went home and I was able to um this is okay. I do a podcast drunk. There's nothing like getting technology involved in that crap.
1: Absolutely. But I,
0: I went home and I was able to bam, 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 and the story went out. And I was like, it was a profound moment. And I just went, the way I, I write these stories and the way I think about it, the the arcs the characters go through, even if they resolve the bad thing situation, they are totally fucked up and broken. Yeah. by the time we get to the end of this story like they don't come out of this going you know everything's fine i'm fine everything's great
1: yeah well and that's one thing i love about creating some of these characters you know we we do get used to this kind of um corporatized disney world everything has to be flowery at the end mentality and even in my johnny scotch books you know like like you said you know you, there, there is a resolution at the end, but it doesn't mean everyone's happy. I mean, he's all—he's always going to be a functional drunk with with violent tendencies. Let's be honest. I mean, that's just—that's who the character is. And he—and that guy's only going to be so pleased with his own world. So, uh, you know, it—it it, it always depends. It's it. You know, the uh, I think the the happiest ending I wrote. Uh, was in a book for uh kjk publishing out of the uk uh the anthology is called carnival of horrors and my my story in there the only reason i call it a happy ending is because the bad guys all lose but i i don't envision that when the when the curtain is drawn and this and the theater goes black i don't envision that everyone that was involved in the situation in that story is is actually happy after the fact i mean horrendous shit happened
0: (laughs) exactly no and i think that's important it's it's interesting because when when i've done live readings actually i got this review that was it was a five-star review but the title of the review is erica lance is an author who likes to punch you in the fucking face and obviously (laughs) they abbreviated and i read the review and he's like this is a great story all this stuff hate the ending." Like he was so mad that this didn't end. And I was in. So, when in doing the live readings of my stories and stuff, you know, you get to the end and you say something like, and he felt her uh, teeth sink in and rip his throat out. Mm-hmm. And you just stop. And I've noticed that if you do that with stories, the people in the audience are all going, wait, What? <laughs> Just like, happy ending part of the they all just pause like Yeah. Okay, yeah. Hey, is there another is there another page? Is there a page where you know they're saved by the superhero? I like all so, heroes to walk away. Yeah, Jen, Jen's a happy ending. For the irony of her telling me that, Jen is a happy ending person.
1: <laughs> I and am. there's nothing I read, wrong with that.
2: I read the end of books to make sure the characters are still alive. <laughs>
1: I, I keep most of my characters alive. I, I well, except in my horror stuff, my horror stuff there. There's no holds barred. Johnny Scotch. I don't mind if he puts a few people in the hospital, but it's pretty rare that he actually, you know, like straight up kills someone.
0: <laughs> well, and so you, you said your wife's your biggest fan. Let's talk about reviews and stuff. Do you read your reviews? Oh yeah,
1: I read them. Um, uh, I've, with the Johnny Scott stuff, I—I I mean, as with any you know author who's on Amazon, I wish there were more reviews. I mean, plain and simple. I mean, that's that's just how we are as writers. We want more people to see it. We want more people to comment. Um, I have—I think the harshest stuff I've ever seen is on a few of the anthologies I've been in, but it's pretty rare that I get called out specifically with an with a negative mark. Um, I think there was there was one where I think someone mentioned that you know it you know my stuff was fine, other things shined a little more. I'm like, okay, that's great. I know how to punch it up next time. You know, you know I'm 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 not one when I first started writing. I was definitely super thin skinned. I think we all are. It's like the thought of being edited was like a nightmare. And then after going through it a few times. You know, I, I really started to realize, you know, I, I started applying my 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 uh, ideas that I have with my music, which is if I can make it better, I want to make it better. So what do I need to make it better? And th- so that's kind of how I approach it anymore. I'm, you know, I, it's like, great, I can be offended for two <clears throat> seconds, but eventually I have to just suck it up and and do what's going to make it better.
0: No, I think that's true. Jen's going to – we're going to talk about editing after the break because we don't have time before the break, Jen. Mm -hmm. So just rein that in for a second. Uh I do want to say what's interesting – I know. Trust me. Right after the break, you can go full – Jen has a PhD in English literature. So (laughs) she's about to unleash in a very nice, kind, gentle way because that's the way she is. But – um, one of the things I think is interesting about reviews is, did they tell you something you can actually improve upon? Or they were like, I, this wasn't for them. You know, I, you know, yeah. this it's interesting cause you'd have to go, this wasn't their book. So even if they said stuff, you go, you're not my audience. You're not who I'm writing for.
1: And that's the other thing with, with a lot of reviews. And I, uh, again, that's, that's exactly right. The reviews where I've seen, you know, the negative side, it's generally not something where I have much to go off of. And even the positive stuff, I, I, I wish someone would, I, I guess I save my, my, uh, my improvements for my critiquers, my actual critiques, you know, my beta readers, the people that are, that are getting the stuff before it's ready to be seen. And that's, that's where I, I, I've, I put more of my credence because they're the ones that are going to be a little more honest they're the ones that are not there just to sell books for me they're the ones that are there to make sure that the book I put out is something worth seeing
0: totally no I agree 100% because otherwise it's not useful but we need to take a quick break we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back This is the voice of Drinking With Authors. You are at our commercial break, and our commercial is, hey, do you want to be a guest on our show? Or do you have a question for one of the guests on our show? Or do you have a brilliant drink recipe that we've never heard of? That would have to stump us. But you could reach us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com or on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can direct message or even just leave a comment on one of our posts. We would absolutely love to hear from you. we're back and as promised jen unleashed the editing kraken. go ahead i i wasn't gonna say anything
2: terrible i just i understand that when you first write a book and then you have that first edit come back it's like somebody insulted your baby you know they were just like oh god look at all the things wrong with this and you're like no my baby but then as you write more and more you're like no i want my baby to look good so
1: yeah. help me yeah, that's right
2: it's just getting through that i do a lot of editing and, and that first conversation is sometimes difficult to be like yeah i know that's how you want to say it but that's really not how your readers are gonna get it and maybe just move
0: some of these words around like
2: mm-hmm. please um
0: Jen is super <laughs> nice when she does editing i'm to the point as an author I, I don't give a flying crap if i test trust my editor I actually don't want to hear about it anymore just take it edit it give me the clean copy back you know like just
2: yes. you you are the easiest person she's just like yeah it's fine whatever you did is fine
0: like, oh. I just well because I realize that if you find somebody you trust as an editor I'm not an editor i'm not I'm not a phd mm-hmm. in English literature like I don't know when my grammar is screwed up or my pacing is often. they're not story editing story editing obviously talk to me about the story if you think I've gone left or I need to add something like don't write the story for me but if you're right. just doing line edits I don't care take yeah. it line edit it I'm done like let's just whatever because I can I I realized I did this with my first book and it took eight years for my first book to get out because Thanks. I did this and I kept going back over it and going back over it and going back over it. and I, I I had to step back and go, what am I doing? Like, I'm wasting time. I could be writing the next book or everything. Like, I wasted years going back over it, looking at it, discussing it, all that sort of stuff. And it, it it's not profound.
1: Yeah. I didn't
0: win a Pulitzer for my eight years investment <laughs> in my home on Whore Island, which is the name of the book. Like, I didn't, like
1: it's so silly. Yeah, it is silly, but at the same time as authors, we do believe that this is going to put me on the map. And you know what we need to believe is, well, this will be read. I just want it read. Let's start there. That's and then funny. if it's read by the right people, great, and then they'll help put it on the map. But honestly, it's like it's like with music. You have to you have to write it You have to record it. You have to put it out there. Then you do something else. And you just have to keep going, keep going, keep putting something out so that you are always entertaining your audience. You're always giving them content. And it's this continual stream. There is no destination when it comes to the creative process. There's just the next project.
0: It's never done. Look at that profoundness on scotch that you have going there. You have profound scotchness. (laughs) it's it's true though and i think um some writers get stuck in their own head and also here's the thing no matter what you're going to keep improving you're not going to keep improving that same manuscript you're going to improve the next manuscript and the next manuscript and the next manuscript like i've talked to a lot of authors and they talk about and i agree with this 100 percent. like we we've talked about reading publicly a little bit but um i now do not go back to read My previous stuff, unless I'm writing a sequel to whatever the previous stuff was. Like, if I need to just refresh and make sure, because I know everybody out there believes we've memorized our entire story and know every fun fact, I know that the world does think that, though. You know, do do you remember when in the book? No, I do not
1: remember
0: (laughs) when in the book that that happened. Thank you, though. Um, Yeah, no, I do. It's one of my favorites, too. I've got the answer down, Pat, but I (laughs) just. You know what? I I will. Go ahead. I
2: want to add that I met R.A. Salvatore once And he Actually re- He's that guy He remembers On page 72 What character it was Because I had just Finished reading it And he's asking me Very specific questions Like what did you think about And I was like Oh my god He knows this Like, like nerd knows this And then I was like Oh well In my own work I don't remember <laughs> What I did to that character Damn And R.A. Salvatore Has like You know What 50 books And he remembers them Or at least Maybe that one Was on his brain But Yeah yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Maybe there are authors out there that that do remember every
0: character. We're just not them.
1: Well, no, I am not. Well, there
0: are fans that remember every character. I'm sure there are yeah. fans of Johnny Scotch that remember everything, and they come up and they're like, "Hey, I want to talk about," and you're like,
1: "Cool, cool. Let's do this. Awesome." <laughs> what did,
0: what did, what what do you think happened?
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's, no, it's, I. I yeah, I do have I do have those because especially there's actually what what was really funny about the um, the comic book series when I was doing that with Dan was I wrote the first comic book at, that was it was supposed to just be like a one off one issue here it is kind of a throwaway story the you know Johnny was supposed to be the main focus and his you know he's supposed to come in and save the girl blah 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 very stereotypical genre esque stuff. And I never really put any actual thought or process into who the, the female character was. And that was a mistake. I admit that now. Because Dan came back to me and he said, I will keep writing, doing comic books for you, but you have to keep that female character going. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> so all of a sudden, which was great as a writer because it challenged me to actually think about who and what I was writing. You know, it was my first like writer's challenge of, well, how can I make this very two-dimensional character four, five or six dimensions deep? And and what was great was I, you know, I ended up creating a really fun fantastic character who, you know, really fueled that entire comic book run and really brought up the level of the novella that I eventually came up with. That was the, the basis of the comic book. So I love that stuff.
0: I, th- I think it's interesting you say that because I've watched authors do this in series and I've watched them do it is if you're writing a story, I feel you are almost required to write ahead in your mind mm-hmm. with where that's going to go. Because if you sit down and go, I'm going to do a trilogy But then you don't think at all that this could hit a bestseller list. This could be wildly popular and people could want more. And you back yourself into corners on characters or plot lines and stuff like that. And then you're trying to expand it. And then you just piss off your audience because you're trying to fix, because you broke it going, I'm only going to do three of these. Yeah. Like, either that or just only do three of those. Like, that's the worst.
1: Seeing with me, I'm like... You know, I write very. Um, I, I approach every story, whether it's a short story or whether it's a, a novella or my novel. I approach them very episodically. In other words, I like that it to be self-contained. But at the end, there's always a little something that has an opportunity to come back if the muse strikes me later on and we want to dive into that even further. I I I have not had the opportunity or or push yet to do like a structured trilogy or 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 continuation it's more like I, I I leave the end of the story and let's see what happens next
0: but you're still leaving the end of the story and you're not like I'm going to close this door I'm going to have this character mm-hmm. that has no background and then if I'm forced to write them again I'm just making up crap as <laughs> I go along and then you're like what yeah okay so let's talk about your writing style a little bit Mm-hmm. Are you do you plot? Do you pants? Do you palance? I outline? I've I've added a bunch of different things tonight.
1: <laughs> I pretty much just pour a drink and see what happens. Um I,
0: my entire world. No, yeah, it's <laughs> oh these yeah.
1: I'm I'm I most writers would consider me much more a pantser. Um, okay. I I like to see where it's gonna go. But I, I do have a couple things that I, I, I took the time to sit down and basically outline what I need, I needed to happen. Um, the the problem I've seen with that, with my personal, like how my brain works creatively, is that as soon as I've written an extensive outline, my brain thinks that it's done. So it it it's actually very difficult for me to dive back in and pull out interesting elements that weren't there within the outline. Cause my brain's given it a conclusion already. The book, literally the book is closed. <laughs> ah, so that's
0: interesting. Yeah.
1: So it's, it's been a, an interesting challenge to try and get those projects done. Uh, you know, I've got one that's been sitting in the can, I think now for three years because my brain thinks it's done, but I know there's more to it on the inside of it to flesh out. Um, the most success I had with that was with a, a short story that I, I outlined out about three years ago, and then la- I guess in April, I did an event with, with my publisher where we uh, did a fundraising event for the Alzheimer's Society, The Longest Day, where we all— committed to sit down in a Zoom meeting starting at 5 30 a.m. until 9 30 p.m and just write how'd that go? Oh wow that what? was it was a nightmare but <laughs> from the positive side I mean uh overall that day I wrote about eighteen thousand words and some change. Wow. In the um in, within that, I wrote a 13,000-word short story based on an outline I had thrown together three years ago. So it was a, it was a successful exercise from that aspect because I was actually able to finally flesh it out. But it took a marathon event of that nature to get my brain enough momentum to just push through it.
0: Wow, I don't even know how I do by hour four of that situation.
1: Oh, I, I was pretty giddy were you, were you allowed to drink? I could do whatever I want. I mean, <laughs> I think I was drinking by at least 5 PM. I, I had, I went through at least a bottle of wine by that point, um, oh, wow. by the end of the day. But I mean, I, I kept it clean for the morning and the afternoon. It was all coffee and water because wow. you got <laughs> a,
0: a brave soul there. i but that's awesome because it was for a worthy cause. so that's great. That's,
1: w- that was. was great. And, the, and our publisher pulled together um, that was with uh, not a pipe publishing. They're the ones that are doing my vampire book that I told you about. Um, I think all together we had at least eight authors doing that that day and I think we got around 80,000 words, 85,000 words total. So yeah, it was it was a it's a great exercise if you could if you ever feel like torturing yourself <laughs> like that.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna if somebody comes to me with a worthy cost maybe, but I I'm gonna hard pass on setting that bad boy up myself.
2: Five thirty AM yeah. is uh, is rough. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was rough. I don't know how I did that part.
0: <laughs> wow. That's so- my bedtime. <laughs> I was going to say, you stay up all night, Jen. You're not one to talk, vampire. I'm telling you, there's so many indicators of this true ship You have no idea. She looks all innocent-like. Um, None of the perks.
1: It's the blood bags in the fridge that really key you in. Yeah.
0: freezer is hmm. fun,
2: you
0: know. <laughs> so you have your first book. So you've written novellas, which are shorter stories and short stories. What was it like actually doing the first book?
1: Uh... It was long. <laughs> uh, that actually was, was interesting because the book itself started as two short stories that I did for a collaborative anthology um, called um, Tales from the Braided Pony. And the two stories I wrote for that, I, I just I, they just kind of stuck with me. It was the same thing that I had with the Johnny Scotch thing where it just kind of itched at the back of my brain for a while. And I, I felt that not only the characters, but the, the momentum was there to put more meat into it and see where it went. So I you know, I wrote the, the two short stories about four years ago. And then two years later, I came back to it to do the expansion and dive in for a, an actual novel. I think I thought at the time I was just going to add some other short stories to create my own anthology and I just tied them together and really felt that it had enough meat in it to send off to a publisher and luckily I was right.
0: That's very cool. That's very awesome. Does that one have a sequel or did you do it as a standalone?
1: I try to do everything as I the pessimist in me does everything as a standalone. <laughs> because I, I again, I don't like to think that anything I'm going to do is going to be like the skyrocket event of the, of the literary world. I'm, I'm smarter than that, but I do, but I do like to leave the door open in case the opportunity arrives. So, you know, the end of the, the end of that book definitely leaves a little bit of opening for, for possibility. If, if the audience wants it, then I am, gonna be open to at least explore that world again because it's a really fun world if I have to be honest I mean the old west with freaking vampires come on it's 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 kind of a no-brainer if you like over-the-top goofiness
0: well no it's true and that's a whole genre like I'm I'm actually me and Jen are both writing stories for a paranormal romance set in the old west right Right? it's different creatures and and stuff like that but that is a whole like genre of itself becoming very very (laughs) popular is the old west yeah you know and i i think that's brilliant um what do you feel your biggest um difficulty is in writing other than apparently the pessimism which keeps you to this book is going to be by itself
1: yeah (laughs) um my biggest challenge is is in the details Okay. Which, which is why I've really, truly, absolutely learned to love and appreciate anyone who is willing to edit my shit. Because um, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've walked in on my wife reading a second or third draft of my thing, and she's she's literally laughing, going, Do you realize how many times you just said two, two, and two, and they're all wrong? <laughs> oh. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, fine. You know, I, I know my limitations and I appreciate those that can help point it out. And I've gotten better as we all strive to do. Again, it's a, it's a lifelong journey in the creative process. If it means that I have to buckle down and finally learn my eighth grade grammar like I never did, then I'm going to do my best to, to put in, put something in front of you that's readable <laughs> at least to an extent so that we have something to work with if you if if we want to build on it
0: no that makes perfect again like you, you've heard my editing philosophy where i'm like here you go like <laughs> but what i do want back is feedback to go you do this you do this be of because every time they say that like for a long time I, everybody in my story realized things people <laughs> realize i realized that. like i Mm-hmm. In one of my stories, that happened so much that the editor was like, Everybody realizes things. So now, if I go to type that word, <laughs> there's a thing in my brain that is like, Do
1: not use realized. You're off to app and
0: go, How many times did I use realized in this manuscript? Okay, only four. I can use it again. <laughs> That's
1: right. Oh, yeah. No, my, my find and replace option is <laughs> is worn out by the end of a book, <laughs> even with so a novella.
2: What are your words? Like, what are you, what do you watch out for?
1: Oh, you know, I, I found that I was really awful at using the word. So in my Johnny Scotch books when they're talking. So what I know is (laughs) I'm like, ah, after about the hundredth time in two pages, you gotta find another way to converse. Um, (laughs) so that, that's one of them. I'm, you know, like anyone, any of us, I fight the passive voice, um, I'm Again, I'm always trying to get a little bit better at it and trying to hone it and make it tighter and faster and, and punchier. So I'm better at that than I was five, six years ago, but it's always something I'm going to strive to be better at.
0: Do you um, keep uh, any sort of like world book or anything for the Johnny Scotch since that's the one you've carried forward the most? Do you have a world book?
1: Uh, I, I actually... Created a world book at the very beginning, which was which was just a spreadsheet with all my main characters' names on it, and then characteristics of them. You know, who are they? What? How do they talk? What do they drive? What do they? How do they dress? Just so I could keep a consistency in the Bible of what I was trying to create. Um, but the world itself is is pretty compact. I mean, it's, it's basically a world generated from a, a fictionalized Portland, Seattle, LA kind of conglomerate of a town. So I use the, the, the world around me to kind of create the environment and then go from there. I haven't, I haven't run into anything with Johnny where I've screwed myself over by messing up the locations or anything yet. I'm, I, I'm vague enough that I don't get in trouble.
0: Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Um, as, so let's talk a little bit about uh, what you, um, you know, you you obviously you weren't like, I went to school to write and stuff like that. Um, do you use certain software products? Or are you like, I'm Google Docs or Word. I'm good to go.
1: I'm on Word. Yeah. I I started on Pages because that's what was on my computer to start with. Um, and I finally converted. Yeah, I know. Well, I, actually, there were a few things on Pages I, I like because um, I'm a Mac guy. So th- the catch is with Pages, Pages I can turn into EPUB. So when I'm doing self-publishing stuff, it's easier to do the conversions. Word I couldn't do. So and I have to like transfer and transfer and transfer and move it over. So pain in the ass. But primarily, I just stick to Word because... Anyone who's who's doing my editing, I know they're probably on Word and can do track changes for me, and, and I can see what they're wanting, and it just makes my life easy. I know a lot of people really love their tools, like Scribner and, and other things, and I'm like, you know, power to you if you can do it. I I just like things simple.
0: Yeah, Scribner is really good if you're a plotter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like I'll tell you, a lot of the writing softwares are built around being an actual plotter, mm-hmm. Because you want to dedicate and put all that stuff into the program, so it kind of reminds me. That I'm a pantser too. I write a lot, like you do. Mm. So i like, I looked at Scribner, and I was like, I do not have the time nor the inclination for this program. Like, to, <laughs> 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 but if you're a plotter, this uh, people who are plot true plotters and all that stuff, they love that. Like the people that'll write a 30,000 word synopsis of their 60,000 word novel, which I, I don't, I don't get that. I still don't get it. I've met people that do it. I just, it's not a, it's not a thing for me. Yeah. How fast of a writer are you?
1: Uh, It depends on the idea. Uh, Like I, like I said, with the, um, the short story from that longest day thing, you know, I was able to get 13,000 words in that day. So that was that was easy. Uh, on a regular day, if I am like actually on a tear, I'll do anywhere between two and four thousand words in a sitting. Uh, it's it's pretty much I I, I kind of gauge my writing time as to or I used to. I can't right now. I used to gauge my writing time as as far as how how long will this bar let me sit here nursing this beer <laughs> and writing. Or this whiskey, or what, or wine, whatever I'm drinking at the time. Um, so if, if if it takes two or three glasses to get everything out, I need to get out. Then that's what it would take.
0: Do you? Um, how have you found writing during the time of the Rona?
1: A bit difficult.
0: It's interesting. I think as writers, we all go. We want to just be able to write and be enclosed and full time. We're going to go to writers retreat, and I think that has been an epic fail for most writers that I've talked to, like that did not work out exactly the way, Jen, too. This is, this like, is the most writing I've done in years. Uh, well, <laughs>
1: Bravo. Good for you. And I hate you right now. God damn it. No.
0: She's home. It's She's summer. a powerhouse, though. She, yeah. She's a, uh, one of those writers, like, Several writer friends would sit down and they're like, Oh my god, yeah, I just read for an hour and I read four thousand words. And I'm like, shut up. Yeah. Like nobody cares. Like nobody cares.
1: No, I think what's been difficult for me is like I I used to like schedule time to go out of my house to specifically go write. You know, because it was, it was difficult for me to be creative in, in the place where I'm at on a daily basis. And so that's, I think, what's been my biggest hurdle, is is forcing myself to find that creative spark uh, within the environment that I'm given.
0: That makes sense. I know. Go ahead, Jan. Do you listen to music while you write?
1: Uh, I... <laughs> I have to now. I mean, that's that's just kind of the the one distraction I have. I think that's what I liked about going to like bars and coffee shops was there was the the incessant din of the natural world rolling around me. You know, um, I could pull energy from everything happening around me and drop it on my page. And right now, I, you know, I have my kitchen table and my dog. And, and my lovely wife. But she's so busy, I can't really pull that much energy from her because she, ha- <laughs> she has to do her shit.
0: <laughs> no, totally. Um. Oh, my gosh. I had a thought. Let's talk about your covers for a little bit. So you did a lot of self-publishing. Where did your covers come from?
1: On the Johnny Scotch stuff, so the, the first two covers actually came from Dan, who was doing the comic book series. So um, – which are which are great i I love love the first one the second one is is pretty solid and then this new one which i'll be revealing soon i think that's the one i sent sent over you to to look at
0: yeah
1: um that one just got finalized and finished up this last week then that's done by a gentleman named his name is scott cole and he i think he did a really beautiful job of just capturing the mood of the new book it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit darker. It's a little bit more of a, of almost a straight up hard boiled detective novel than my first two. My first two are are really just action adventure, you know, kind of flavor. And then this one, I I really try. I oh, I didn't try it. Just it's how it worked. It it came out as much more that traditional, you know, Raymond Chandler, Raymond Chandler meets Lee Child kind of, kind of kind of hard boiled detective flavor the dame walked in. Yeah, exactly. And that and which has always been kind of the flavor I've tried to portray in the voice of the books anyways. And I think he grabbed it I think he grabbed it really nice with a very moody cover and and uh I think it's pretty fun. So that's where those come from. I I always go outside. I'm not a I am not the artist. That's why someone else did my comic book. I'm not the artist. I'm a writer. I'm happy to guide. I'm happy to give you the ideas, but I I I do not put pen to paper in that way. How but do you I, feel
0: about your social media presence?
1: Uh, it's okay. Uh, my social media on on trumpet is much better because I've been doing it longer. Uh, as far as like having more people on there, but you know, I'm also, you know, of the generation before computers and before social media, so I'm adapting instead of just being born into it. You know, I wish I didn't have to use it as much as I do, but that's kind of how things are done these days. So we put out what we can.
0: Totally. Okay, cool. Well, we're coming, coming near the end here. Let's do a, a, some shameless self-promotion. How do people find you?
1: Uh, they have a few options to find me. Uh, as my, my author presence is most present at readjohndover.com. Which is where I try to keep my actual author stuff out there and and present as much as possible. Uh, Music-wise, I have JohnDMusic.com, uh, which also has another uh, uh, book in there. This last year, I, I published my first trumpet method through my oh, music world. So it which has it combined my author. And like the first half of the book is all the, the written description of how I, you know, do what I do. And then the back half is all music. Um, I also have a, a comic book site at uh, johnnyscotchjustice.com. If you if listeners are, are more geared towards social media, they can find me at uh, author John. Uh, nope. John Dover author at Facebook. They can also find me at Johnny Scotch uh, Justice on Facebook and on Instagram.
0: Oh, you're doing the Insta. Wow, look at you stepping up in the social media world.
1: That's right. Um, <laughs> Insta, has, Insta hasn't Insta has seen me very often. Uh, Insta used to see me more when I was writing in bars because basically I would take a picture of whatever I was drinking in my computer screen and say, guess I'm writing again. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I, I am on Instagram, though I'm a, I have a Twitter, but I don't use it very often. I should, I guess, but again, I'm an ad- adapter, not a born into it.
0: You should no, Insta your table.
2: We'll get your <laughs> kitchen table.
1: That's right.
0: And here's the same kitchen table. You can't tell that this is a different photo. A new That's angle. Right.
1: But notice, there's a glass of wine today. Oh, oh, it's whiskey. Hey now. <laughs>
0: And the dog is not to the left. It is to the right this
1: time. That's right. You can see her patiently waiting for her treat.
0: Exactly. Oh, my gosh. You have been so much fun. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it.
1: Oh, well, thank you. This has been a blast. Wonderful. Do you have any
0: parting words to aspiring authors?
1: Write every day. You know, it doesn't matter if it's one word or a thousand. Just put something on the page and then walk away.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Well, our amazing guest has been John Dover and I've been Erica Lance. Jam Paquette. Every single time, Jam. It's Skype. Every time. Pause, delay, technical difficulties, Jam Paquette. Whatever. No, don't whatever. We're, I'm done. Okay. We'll see you next time.
1: Bye guys.